Thank you, Lisa. I'd like to thank the organizers, first of all, for all their hard work and to Alexo for hosting this amazing conference. I also want to thank, uh, once again, the Iamina sponsors, Arcadia and the British Council, uh, uh, British Council's Cultural Protection Fund. This is a great opportunity for specialists in heritage protection in the MENA region to get together for an extended discussion of the current severe threats to the, the, uh, the truly wonderful heritage of, of the Maghrebian countries and the challenges that we face encountering the threats. I'm going to present work on behalf of many colleagues in the Amina project, uh, as well as our Maghrebian collaborators, some who are named on the slide. Uh, so I'm just a spokesperson for this much larger team. I'll try to speak slowly and in clear language to illustrate some further aspects of the Amina work, which has already in part been exposed in presentations yesterday. With the aid of case studies, this presentation will consider differing threats, the potential of site identification work using remote sensing tools, and how site management processes can be extended to monitoring and intervention. Finally, I'll say a few words about the need for all of us who care for the heritage of North Africa to engage with a wider public through educational programs and didactic ex uh, exhibitions and dissemination of information. The Iamina project was introduced in Bob Buley's talk and the excellent presentations by our Tunisian trainees yesterday, so I shan't repeat in detail its overall scope and goals. Currently, the Iamina database is, uh, holds uh, nearly 200,000 records made up of heritage resources, that is, archaeological sites and features, and information resources such as bibliography, aerial photographs, satellite images, etc. The data that we collect are entered into a database that we've customized using the Arches platform, as has been explained yesterday. This is open source heritage recording software developed by the Getty Conservation Institute and World Monuments Fund. Arches was launched in 2013 to provide an easy to use geospatial inventory for heritage authorities across the world. Its main attractions and the reasons that we adopted it are its use of SIDOC CRM, international standard, for its underlying structure. The fact that this, it is open source and has a, a growing user base and development community, uh, and the fact uh, that, it is a, that its framework has the flexibility to allow for customizations by the end user to suit their specific needs are further uh, strengths of the Arches software, we believe. Broadly speaking, the data recorded includes site location, function, chronology, form, interpretation, and detailed condition and threat assessments. Now, I know you won't be able to see the detail on the screen here, but there will be a chance, as, uh, as you've already heard, in the coffee break to look at uh, the database uh, in detail downstairs. The basic information about each site and its condition is available online uh, to the public, but access to the full site records and the ability to edit records is restricted to registered users to protect the sensitive information. <clears throat> you can, I think, at least see from the slide here something of the, the nature of a standard record of even a relatively small site. An early priority for us was to make the database bilingual, and as you can see on, these, on this slide, 
Uh, the database and its vocabularies are currently available in both Arabic and English, and we hope to add other languages like Farsi and Kurdish to facilitate and encourage use of the platform within other uh, Middle Eastern and North African countries, but also ultimately potentially extending beyond that as well. Putting data into our database and using standardized terminologies allows us to make wide regional analyses and direct comparisons of the problems and threats, not only facing individual regions and countries, but North Africa uh, and indeed the MENA region overall. As we shall see, perhaps the most serious threat that we face is modernity itself, made worse where the pace of progress is accelerated um, because it happens in an unplanned or poorly regulated manner. However, when we think of current threats to the heritage of North Africa, what perhaps comes first to mind is damage and destruction of sites, whether from petty vandalism and graffiti at one end of the spectrum to looting and deliberate demolition. These deliberate acts of destruction attract most attention in the media. As an example of this, I'm going to first present a piece of work carried out by Martin Sterry, one of our researchers, on marabou tombs and related monuments in Libya. Our study has shown that 75%, 490 out of 656 registered structures identified as certain or likely Muslim shrines in Libya have been destroyed or badly damaged. And this is, involves likely destruction of contents and major structural damage. And this has happened since the fall of the Gaddafi regime in 2011. The regional patterns vary somewhat across the country, as these maps show, with structures still standing uh, indicated in the left map and those destroyed in the right-hand map. But you can see that the pattern of damage is pretty uh, uh, catastrophic. The majority of these are the, monu um, the monumental tombs and attached zawiya and libraries of Sufi saints, also known as marabous. And here's an example from Gudame's Now You See It, Now You Don't. Some are also known to relate to other prominent uh, Muslim figures, such as, such as the Ottoman Pashas of Tripoli or the Banu Khattab dynasty at Zawila, which is a uh, second example here. These tombs we recently were able to date by radiocarbon methods to show that they are indeed 11th century dynastic monuments of this ruling uh, people. Uh, they're unique monuments in the Sahara, or I should say they were unique monuments. Again, they've been reduced to rubble in the last few years. Overall, this represents a terrible and irreplaceable loss of Libya's Islamic heritage. These structures may individually be relatively small, we're not talking about World Heritage Sites here, but the cumulative loss of so many of the typical archaeological monuments of a Maghrebian country, and the same has also happened to some extent in Tripoli, in Tunisia, I know, uh, is uh, really something to give us pause for thought. Puts me in mind of James Dietz's famous book, In Small Things Forgotten, um, but so much of the cultural heritage of the Maghreb is actually invested in small things. We've also been undertaking uh, regional case studies to try and get a wider view of the state of heritage in different areas. I shall now present a few examples of this work to illustrate the nature and severity of the threats 
to North African heritage. In a paper recently published in the journal Libyan Studies, three members of our team, Julia Nicolaus, Louise Rain, and Nicole Sheldrick, assessed more than 700 sites in four areas of Western Libya. Over a third of these sites were determined to be in poor condition or worse, the largest proportion of which were identified around the Al Jufra and Murzuk oases in the southern part of the region. This map shows the Al Jufra area um, with most of the recorded archaeology we identified around the uh, key oases of Sukhna, Hun, and Wadan. Um, and most of these sites that are on the map were newly discovered through our work, but we can see from our analysis that already a significant proportion of these sites uh, that we've identified on satellite imagery have actually been damaged or destroyed over recent years. In this map, uh, on, the, on the right of the slide, we show some of the results of the analyses uh, of these sites. The symbols indicate the site condition from good preservation to destroyed. In this second slide, we present the information in relation to the type of damage visible at different sites. Here, the three main issues are urban development, agricultural activity, and looting. Issues like bulldozing and construction can be seen close to many sites uh, that are located near modern settlements, as in this important discovery in the Wadan oasis. We've obtained a radiocarbon date uh, from the 7th century AD, which suggests this is the urban site that bore the name of Wadan at the time of the first Arab campaign of Sidi Akbar in 666. We were able to date the site because our Libyan colleagues, led by Mufta Haddad and Abdullati Lamin Lamin, visited the site following their receipt of initial information from our team. And this is a really good example of the, the collaboration which we think is essential in doing this sort of monitoring work. Their report on the surface condition and collection of dating material highlights the high heritage significance of this site, but also its vulnerability. And you can see the bulldozing tracks all around this unique late antique, early medieval site. However, the biggest cause of damage in Al Jufra is agriculture, as in the case of these Foggerers, ancient irrigation systems that have been damaged and in, uh, in large part erased by new field boundaries. And again, the, the rate of change has accelerated dramatically in the last few years. Moving further south, here's what's been happening at Merzouk, the early modern capital of Fazan. It's just one dramatic example of the way urban development threatens many ancient centers of habitation. On the right, we can see the southern portion of a walled settlement as it was in 2003, uh, still relatively unencumbered by modern buildings. Then the encroachment progressing uh, in, by 2013 and into 2016 when this part of the site is all but completely built over by new buildings. The problem in these southern oases is that the rate of urban and uh, agricultural expansion has increased dramatically since 2011 following the breakdown of restrictive policies on property ownership. We've got a lot of land grabbing going on. 
Moreover, we've observed similar problems in many other parts of Libya, but it's not the same everywhere. And I think that's one of the important lessons, is that comparative case studies allow us to highlight what areas are in most urgent need of attention uh, relatively quickly, and what the different problems are within uh, each region of, of the country. And we're trying to share this uh, information with our colleagues in the Antiquities Service. Comparing older imagery with modern imagery is, as we've seen, a good method of tracking the rate of change as much as of detecting changes and damage in itself. 1967 KH7 imagery here shows an area of the Demeter Sanctuary and part of the southern necropolis of Cyrene to south of the walled city, which is, of course, the area nominally protected as part of the World Heritage Site. Layouts of new streets and houses can be seen in the GOI image on the right from 2016. And this has continued to increase rapidly and has not been halted uh, by the authorities, despite its proximity to the World Heritage Site. And the lack of an effective buffer zone around the World Heritage Site, I think, is very evident here. We can also use our image analysis in another way to predict damage in relation to the expansion of modern urban settlements. And this should allow archaeologists to prioritise their work and provides information to pl planners and policymakers. For instance, in this slide, again at Cyrene, you can see how the modern town of Shahat has expanded over time between 1986 and 2017. By running classification analyses in Landsat and Sentinel-2 imagery, we can see the intensification of urban sprawl in a very sensitive archaeological area. It's self-evident that this sort of urban growth is going to have an impact on the neighbouring World Heritage Site, especially as infilling occurs between the patches of modern development. This, it's not just the spread, it's the fact that it then infills. We're also actively trying to use our work to bring to attention areas and landscapes that have traditionally received less research. And I'll give you an example here from Egypt, um, where, of course, the Nile Valley and the Delta are the best known in terms of archaeological research generally and on ser the serious issue of looting and encroachment uh, facing those areas. But in an effort to not duplicate work that's already uh, going on and to highlight some other at-risk areas, we decided to have a look uh, at the Eastern Desert. And the situation is indeed very different there, but also very serious as well. In one single case study, and this is the, um, the, the small rect red rectangle on the larger image, more than 400 certain and possible sites were identified from the satellite image analysis. And one of the things that our database makes possible is a rapid breakdown of recorded sites by their condition state. As we can see here in this particular region, the situation is not very good. Of these, 43% were already destroyed by 2016, as shown in red, and a further 14% were in very bad or poor condition, and these are the symbols in orange and yellow on the image. And this appears to be typical, uh, a typical situation across much of this region. We can also analyse the site by the types of damage that are occurring here, as we did for the Al Jufa region. As mentioned, while in the Nile Valley and the Delta regions, looting and encroachment pose the greatest threats, the main activities that have affected the archaeological sites in the eastern desert 
our modern mining and quarrying, primarily using bulldozers. And just to illustrate this, I'm going to use a couple of slides that Bob Bewley also showed us yesterday, but this is exactly from this case study area. Here we have an ancient settlement and mining site identified by Nicole Sheldrick and other members of our team. And the uh, area in green represents the, uh, uh, the settlement structures, and in yellow, the areas where we saw evidence of ancient mining features. But if we follow this case study uh, through uh, from 2010 to 2016, um, this site is uh, pretty effectively destroyed in a very short space of time uh, by this uh, bulldozer-driven uh, modern mining activity. Well, this shows how satellite imagery of different dates can provide us with information about the changing condition of sites. One of the problems is we're quite often coming along too late. We find the sites in the historic imagery, and in the most recent imagery, the sites have already gone. And I think that shows the real urgency of doing the sort of work that the EMENA project is trying to do. In the next section of my talk, I'm going to deal with some joint work involving our Moroccan colleague, Yusuf Bokbot, who unfortunately, due to an injury, can't be here uh, uh, for, for the conference. The example concerns an important Almoravid hilltop town of Zagora, and the robbing of stone from the previously well-preserved hilltop settlement occurred to provide the material used to create the bases for the large letters with a patriotic and holy message that were built on the top of the mountain. We came across this during fieldwork when we encountered the robbing actually in progress, and we were able to get it stopped and disciplinary action was taken against those responsible. But they'd already done enormous damage, as you can see in the, uh, in the, in the diagram to the bottom left here, the colored lines indicate the, the tracks of where the, where, where the tractor had been uh, and where the stone had been cleared uh, from standing walls of medieval buildings of exceptional importance. We've also sought to encourage the regional governorate here and local NGOs to think about enhanced protection measures for this site. The damage was done. Uh, it's severe, but at least the site is not totally destroyed. And I think there is a possibility here we can come up with a, a management plan for the future. A fundamental problem of protecting the past concerns the low value sometimes placed on cultural heritage by local communities due to lack of knowledge and understanding. The Amina project is committed to working with local heritage organizations to improve heritage knowledge and awareness of threats to cultural assets. This exhibition in Arabic and French uh, was one we provided uh, for the local people in the Dra Valley in Morocco where we've been working. And we'll be designing as part of the Amina project similar exhibitions in consultation with our Libyan and Tunisian partners in the next year as part of our project with them. They're intended to be easily portable and, and easily assemblable for display in schools, village, and community centers to reach the widest possible audience. Following the award of the British Council Cultural Protection Fund grant in December 2016, as we've been hearing at this conference, our team has been providing in-depth training uh, programs in imagery interpretation, risk assessment, and site documentation to heritage professionals and students in Tunisia, Libya, Palestine, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Egypt. And over the next two years, around 150 participants, we hope, will be trained in the Amina methodology uh, and database use. 
and will be provided with laptops and all necessary software and training materials. A key component of the training is to discuss with the participants how these tools can be usefully incorporated into existing heritage practices and real-world situations within their own countries and regions, and to get feedback, and particularly feedback from their senior managers about ways in which our methodologies can be adapted or improved to address specific issues or challenges that the heritage organisations in these countries are facing. Our trainees also learn about the use of open source programs for remote sensing and GIS and how to make distribution maps in QGIS of the data they've recorded in the database. And we saw some great examples of just how well those skills can be learned and, and quickly deployed. As you've been hearing at this conference, our first training program has just finished here in Tunis. And during this event, Tunisian and Libyan heritage professionals trained in the use of the uh, EMANA database and, uh, and our various methodologies, including the use of GPS in the field and the creation of those maps in QGIS. We've heard about the outcomes of the Tunisian training presented, I think you'll all agree, in really superb fashion yesterday. And the results of the first Libyan training will be presented this afternoon at 4.30 in the session to training projects in heritage documentation, challenges and first results Libya. During the coffee break that immediately follows my talk, and I'm nearly finished, you'll have the opportunity to have a look at and engage with the database uh, in the training room on the ground floor. There'll be laptops available for you and my colleagues who are much more uh, clued up about all the technical uh, detail will be able to answer detailed questions about that. Thank you very much. <laughs>